Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. Ryan Nicodemus is in Scotland today, but don't worry. I found some other person with a very strong jawline to fill in for him. Why, thank you. Jay Nash is in the studio. Today, we're going to talk about artistry. We're going to talk about resourcefulness. We're going to talk about originality. We're going to talk about craft. And so we have a craftsman here today. One and of my you- favorite musicians, Jay Nash. Uh, you can find his music at jnash.com. Now, Jay, you, uh, you've you been writing about minimalism before I, I even started writing about minimalism. I was, huh? <laughs> I wondered if that's how I ended up here. <laughs> just just the, uh, uh, the title of a record? Huh? Yeah. Is that, is, that what got, is that what got me in this room? I, I think, you know, so, so uh, the things we think we need, right? The things you think you the need. Thi- oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Very judgmental. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. No, I, I think not it, at all. And so, so I mean, that line is from I think the first song on that record, right? It S- is. Sweet yeah. talking liar. Yes. And uh, it's really about forsaking the people that we love to get a bunch of stuff that is useless. More or less, yeah. Is 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 more being hyper focused on on some end goal, um, and sort of sacrificing the the here and now for this it could be a thing it could be an it could be an entity it could be a place that you want to get to it could be you know a life goal um but the the i I guess the the end point of that particular uh, line in the song is that you're just sort of pissing away the right now which is really you know if you get it down into it with whether it's philosophy or religion, really this moment, this time, this point, this uh, instant is is everything, right? Right. And, and, and at the same time, I feel like we're, we're terrified of the present moment. We're, we're ter- terrified of, of um, boredom. Um, we're, we're ter- and, and so we pacify ourselves quite often with those things. And now it can be physical things. And I think that's the sort of literal interpretation to get the things you think you need. Yeah. But those other thi- there are other things that we pacify ourselves with. And, yeah. and, and now it's, it's, it's happening more than ever. I've got this glowing screen in my pocket that it's provides... very dangerous. You're right. Glowing. Yeah, very dangerous. And, and so I think when you wrote that, you probably weren't thinking about Instagram because it didn't exist yet. It but. did not. No, I think I still had a flip phone. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't also set out to... You know, that record is called The Things You Think You Need. But, um, you know, I didn't set out to write a record about living a minimalist lifestyle by any means. Um, really, that was a, about the sort of the futile gestures that that many of us you know i was a part of this big los angeles music scene um you know i was was in a relationship that was really everything but i didn't fully see it um you know for for a minute there um and the record at large is about the 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 concepts more it's less about the material things but you can apply it to the material things for sure um, because plenty of people do get completely lost in the pursuit of creature comforts. Absolutely. That are, the, the, the average American household has 300,000 items in it. And, and 
when, oh, you, when you look at that, I, I think quite yeah. often minimal made me sweat a little bit. All <laughs> right. I was well, thinking about my own house. I was like, can we? Oh no. What if we do? Oh, well, the see, tool shed. <laughs> yeah, you, you live you live in Vermont, and so you, we we were talking about this before we started recording. You need a lot of you know, your kids need about seventeen different pairs of shoes just to survive the the winters. You need in, a lot of Vermont. shoes, a lot of tools, <laughs> a lot of things to go outside and play and survive the winter with. Um, it is that it is a challenge. I tell you what, Sean, can we listen to a snippet of Sweet Talking Liar so they, they can get a little uh, a little taste of what we're talking about when. When Jay says the things you think you need. Jay, we've got a bunch of questions here today that I think will aid our conversation. Our first question is from Ellen in Boulder, Colorado. I have been cutting out technology and minimizing that. How do you cope with the boredom of no longer having that pacifier, the constant need to take out your phone um, and having this free time that you may have opened up now that you're no longer using things like social media and Netflix all the time. How do you cope with that more than simply just filling the void with another hobby? And how do you get used to that? So, Jay, I don't know if you found this, but you've been making music for a while. Mm-hmm. Still making music. I am, yeah. S- still making some beautiful music, by Thanks, the way. Man. appreciate that. Um, and I, I think <laughs> we are also forced to be our own sort of self-promoters in in this time as well and social media is a way to do that but it's also a way that to distract ourselves and you some people use social media to create um and that is their medium their their choice yeah right some some people are particularly great at it absolutely some people are great at making you know conventional forms of art whether it's writing and or making music or films but they're also just extremely deft on on social media and And that's cool do you find it be? Do you find that technology is a distraction for you now? Does it keep you from, from, or has it ever kept you from producing anything meaningful? Well, I think that there certainly have been times, you know, where I would lean on it and say, if I'm sitting in a tour van for, I got a six-hour drive, and you know, you can only look out, you look out the window for so long, and read a book for a minute, and it's easy to go to the to the feed, you know, to to sort of as she said, pacify your mind. Um, but 
I've always been a little bit dubious of it, you know, since the beginning. I used to make all my records when I lived in Los Angeles up until uh, 2010, I guess, is when I started making records with computers again because the the technology got to be um, at a point where the sound was comparable to what you could get from a tape machine. Uh But prior to that, all my records were made without a screen in front of me. I always felt like the screen took me out of it. Um, I don't know if it's a if there's a physiological, biological explanation for what happens when you're staring at those frequencies of lights. But like to me, it would turn off a lot of the creative thought. So I was always kind of very careful about, you know, staring at a screen. That's what got me into music in the first place. You know, I, I studied engineering at the University of Vermont. And the thing I hated most about the engineering program was just sitting in a room, staring at a screen and mm-hmm. and you know, not getting explanations on the derivations of things, but here's the protocol, what you need to tell the computer to get the right results for, you know, a whole series of variables. Um, I mean, I'd played music, obviously, before that. Engineering was a bit of a distraction, but that was my biggest complaint about engineering. I just didn't want to sit there with a drool coming out of my mouth, staring at a screen. I didn't right. like I didn't like the feeling of the way things shut down inside of my, inside of my mind. Um, that said technology has progressed and and it's easy to lean on these things and use technology as tools both to uh, create the art that we're we're trying to express ourselves with and to draw attention to it um so i would say to it was ellen right yeah um there's it's a great big world you know, it's and it might. There's probably going to be a period, a learning curve, uh, if she's deliberately shutting off her her phone and and dealing without it. But I mean, there's a lot of great books out there, and if like to rediscover the joy of reading a book or to rediscover the joy of listening to music undistracted in you know in sort of a pristine setting, or just look at the top of a tree. You know, look at the top of a tree against the the backdrop of the sky, and you're probably going to feel something give yourself a second you know if you don't feel it in the first five seconds give yourself a few more seconds take a deep breath and think about what a miracle it is that like that's there and you're seeing it yeah i feel like you're going deeper in those instances like, like you're guaranteed to get some very fleeting ephemeral burst of dopamine if you go to instagram and oh someone liked this yeah but but that's that is it's immediate, but it's not deep. It's not deep the same way that like going out and spending some time in nature or just sitting with your boredom for a while. And you know, even if you go back to the Stoics, you know, you, you look at like Seneca or Epictetus. You look at, I think it was Seneca who said, "You know, get rid of your books and go and explore the world." And now, mm. like for us, it's go like, back to the book. Yeah, yeah, it's like please. But for them, books were their social media in a way that right. people were. It was a distraction for mm-hmm. people. And from, so, it was a distraction from real life. Right. Right, yeah. and, and so so I think we sometimes we accidentally just bring new pacifiers. I know for me, it's 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 uh, podcasts. Like I'll listen to too many podcasts. Same, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I I, I need to take a day without any earbuds in yeah. in my ears. Yeah. Or if I do have earbuds in my ears, let me rediscover this thing called music because man, it's it's really good. I was yeah, listening. That can to, make you feel things. Yeah, I was I was listening to your new song um, the, this morning. Um, uh, Keepers of the time, yeah. And uh, on the, I, I was coming into work, or right here into the to the uh, studio, and I was listening to that. And I'm like, 
when's the last time? It's probably been two weeks since I've deliberately sat down and listened to, to some music because podcasts have, have yeah. taken over. I, I, podcasts are doing the same thing to me, I have to admit, you know, especially these long form podcasts where you get to know somebody that you didn't know before. Right. You know, you they go, sort of get to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, it's fun. Well, if I were to rephrase Ellen's question, I would basically say, she, she, she's saying, how do I best use my free time to explore new passions? And, and so if, that might be a deeper conversation. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I agree. But also like recognizing a few things. One is this is some free time. I don't have to fill it immediately. If only I had free time. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I mean. Well, actually, that's a better question then. Uh, so you don't have a lot of free time because you have a family and you have a lot of snow removal. I mean, it's it's. It's, we're recording this in July, and you're mm -hmm. still removing snow in, in Vermont, I'm sure. The, um, the snow is finally melted, <laughs> yeah. Now we're just getting ready for the snow to fall again. We're trying to fix all the things that need to get fixed before it starts coming, because it's going to come. So, so you don't have a ton of free time, but you still find time to create. Yeah, well, that is my job, you know? So that is, uh, you know, I carve out time as a priority, you know? It, it, for, for some people... You know, you get up, you take a shower, you have your breakfast, you go to work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, we've identified in our household that if I don't make stuff, it's going to make things, you know, a little bit less comfortable for the family. Okay. Um, and there's, you know, there's the promotion of stuff and there's occasionally I do work as a composer. I do uh, work as a producer. Um, but really it all comes from songs it all comes from sort of mining the ether for something that hasn't been said before something that i haven't said before finding the new perspective on things and the only way to get there is to carve out that takes time you know there's no magic bullet for uh, for a great I finding a great idea you have to kind of keep yourself open to it. it might come to you when you're you know in line to order a uh, you know your your favorite Thai food in in a busy restaurant or but then you still have it may to come, take the time I, even so you got to get that you got to log the idea save it for later but then you got to set the time aside so you know after you've had your breakfast and taking the kids to school then you sit down in the studio and you know the the phone is face down the the screen is off you're looking out the window staring at the top of the tree and just see what's there you know. And some days it may be nothing, but you gotta you gotta make the time. I'm working know? on a new book right now. Ryan and I are called "Love People Use Things." And Love it. great title. Thank you. Um, that's sort of how we end every every podcast episode. It, it started when uh, uh, we were on tour in 2014, which you were part of. Thank you for yeah. being a part of that. Um, and we just started ending um, our our events with that line. I, I remember that. I remember that and saying. We had a conversation, I think, at Chipotle afterwards. Oh, we did. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, that's great, man. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're working on this book, and I find that, yeah, I get these ideas and I log them, but I have to spend four hours a day pretty much every day writing because otherwise the ideas are just ideas and they're sitting there in a file, and that file is not going to really be meaningful for anyone unless I can mine it and, and, and create. And it's weird, as a writer or as a musician, you find that, like, uh, you not only have to like chisel out the sculpture, but you also have to create the rock up through which the sculpture is, yeah. is chiseled out in a way. Well, that's a great concept. I've read about the four-hour rule. You know, work for four hours a day. Uh -huh. You know, you really have four hours to be at your sort of optimal creative output. Um, and some days those four hours are going to be extremely prolific, and other days not so much. It's possible, but 
you know, to get back to Ellen's question, uh, I think that it's a matter of identifying where your priorities in your life are, you know, are you fulfilling all of, uh, are you checking all the boxes, you know, and if you're not where you want to be in some of those categories, you know, make the conscious decision to take the 30 minutes that you would have spent, you know, scrolling through a feed and taking some direct action towards achieving, you know, that goal or that, you know, fulfilling what is left unfulfilled. Um, I think that, I think but the, the, in, in this day and age, we don't have, we're so inundated with information, with images, with ideas all the time that we don't have enough space to really know where we stand, you know, in terms of, you know, sort of achieving what we set out to achieve in our lives and, and fulfilling uh, our relationship, our, fulfilling our responsibilities in our relationships, um, whether it's family or personal or, you know, friend or, or any. Um, so, you know, the, take, take the time to enjoy the space. Yeah. Enjoy it. <laughs> I, I think that's key. Like we hear this thing, uh, I don't know how it applies to you, but we hear this, this, there's this sort of aphorism of writers don't like writing. They like having written, uh, because you like having the, the album done or whatever. Yeah. For me, I'm the exact opposite. Yeah. I, I'm never completely satisfied. And I'm sure you know, with a, with music, it's it's even more complex because you're like, oh, yeah, I could have done this different or yeah. whatever. But like, I actually enjoy the process more than the product. And it takes a while to, to get there. Yeah. But when you can really enjoy the process, when, when there's this sort of focus time, you could call it flow state, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Man, there's nothing more rewarding when when the song is going just right, or oh, when it's coming together. There's nothing more exciting. Yeah. No, and, and and as soon as you know you have a seed, I guess songwriting is a little bit different than um, than essay writing or, or or you know book writing. Yeah, um, I have limited experience as as a writer of non musical things, but occasionally I do it. Occasionally I'll you know kind of just go down the rabbit hole on something. Um. But it is a different thing, you know. It, 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 I don't want to sound pretentious, and I probably will, <laughs> and I apologize. <laughs> um, but writing music, trying to get to the place of whatever you want to call it, divine inspiration, um, and it's different when you have an assignment. Sometimes you have an assignment. Sometimes you're 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 working out an arrangement for an existing song. That's fun. Um, but it's a little bit more mechanical. Mm. Uh, or if you're, you know, if I'm composing music for picture, for, for film, or for like a commercial or something like that, it's like then I have an assignment. I have boundaries. Right. You know, I'm trying to find the right thing. I have some uh, source of information. But when there's just the impulse, usually songs are not convenient. You know, you don't necessarily say, oh, I want to write a song about that. You've already by the time you're writing the song, it's it's already it's happening because it had to happen mm-hmm. because you've felt some emotion that you weren't able to process internally without some discomfort, and so it, it manifests itself as a song. Or it's you know some that I think that, and you've probably heard other songwriters say this: um, writing songs about that express joy effectively in sort of a non-cloying way is uh, is like one of the most difficult things to do you know because like how many different ways are there to say you know like oh it's a beautiful day you know right. <laughs> and i think that's why there are so many 
uh, variations of sad songs because it's there seems to be a bunch of different ways to talk about agony or suffering or mm-hmm. or pain and there seems and to be at the same time it brings us together in a way because everyone has some you know underlying discomfort you know there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable about you know in relation to the human experience yeah you know it's 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 a miracle and a tragedy at the same time and the way we tend to handle uh you know tragedy or despair is isolation Mm. and so the thing about a sad song is that it it destroys the barriers of isolation and and if you're feeling it and you hear a song that kind of says the same thing all of a sudden you're not alone in the universe Mm. you know it's a rare and beautiful thing and yeah. i don't know i don't know what else there is in this world that does the same thing you know i read sad books and That's i'm kind of sad you know yeah you know, like I, I just went down the i went on like a little steinbeck kick reading his uh, his short works uh-huh. man they're so engrossing uh-huh. you get so deep in there you're just like no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you feel more isolated in a way or at least you can well it's beautiful but but yeah it, it's it's tough you know yeah. it doesn't it, it doesn't have the same thing um you know a lot of my favorite songs are sad and i listen to them and they I, the song ends i'm full of joy you know like yeah. what a beautiful thing that this happened mm. you know well, Ellen, I'm going to send you a copy of our book, uh, our first book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. There's a whole chapter in there about passion. And uh, I think that you, Jay hit a nail on the head. He talked about priorities. I would just say priority. Um, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird word um, because, um, well, up until the 20th century, do you know that we didn't have a, a plural for the word priority? Because it literally means, the etymology of the word, it means the first thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and so we're now, you know, the United Nations released their list of 163 priorities. Um, Greg McEwen talks about this. And, I mean, when you think about that, you step back and you're like, you have 163 the first things. <laughs> It's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, you don't actually have any first thing at that point, right? Yeah. And so I think G- are, Getting back to the point about we're at this day, day and age, we're all inundated. Right, yeah. right. And, and and trying to, to filter out a lot of that noise so you can figure out what's the priority right now. And for you, it could be the mornings where you're, you're creating for that three or four hours. Um, in the evenings, your priority, family, you know, and... and quite often our priorities are actually what we do with our time. We might say my priorities are X, Y, and Z, but if I'm spending all my time just scrolling Instagram and checking email and attending useless meetings, then those are my real priorities. So Ellen, uh, if you like our podcast, you'll like uh, the audiobook version of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. Or if you want the book book or the ebook podcast, Sean will send you one of those as well. Our next question is from Matt in Columbus. We paid off all of our debts, including over 25000 in student loans. We have reduced our cost of living to the point where we are now living on less than 50% of our income, which has allowed us to travel to places like Machu Picchu and pay down a significant amount of our mortgage. We have chosen to not have children and we're not planning on changing our lifestyle. However, now I'm faced with a challenging decision. I'm currently a teacher, and while I thoroughly enjoy aspects of my job, My real passion, and it has been for over 10 years, is writing young adult fiction. While I'm only 28 years old, I feel like my window to pursue my dream of being a published author is diminishing. I don't know whether to continue teaching for the next two years to pay off my mortgage and save up some emergency money, 
or to take a leap of faith and pursue writing. I want to do the responsible thing. So Jay, I I mean, it is clear that Matt's life is over at 28. It's way too late. Yeah, to, that's to that's when writing. you yeah, that's that's when you hang up the gloves. I'm no, actually, think of a, <laughs> I do want to congratulate you. It sounds like you've made some really significant yeah, no, improvements. Student loan debt is gone at 28. Oh my god. I don't even think I even started thinking about it until I was 28. <laughs> I was just like, I'll, t- I'll lock in the lowest interest rate and just let it sit there. That's good debt. <laughs> and he's part of, I think, the 34% of Americans who can actually fit a car in their garage. Um, he's ahead of the curve, I think. Yeah, isn't that... A, it's amazing that, like, we... we well, um, the things we think we need, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so we, we fill our life with a bunch of, of things that are the... They're the object of our desire, but as soon as we get them, they become the object of our discontent. Yes, then you have to maintain those things. Uh, right, right. And, and uh, yeah, there's all these other embedded costs. You like, There's a price tag on the thing, but then there's like watering the thing and changing the oil on the thing and, and cleaning the thing and storing the yeah. thing. It's a drag. Yeah. You should try owning a recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, well, well, we're we'll, in we'll, one, but we, we, we literally have a Zoom H6 over there. That's yeah, what Sean is, yeah is but if you want to make Americana music records, there's a lot more equipment in, involved. Indeed. Let's, let's push that because so it's Matt. Was it Matt? It is Matt. Yeah. Matt is 28 years old. It sounds like he has a lot of his ducks in a row. It sounds like he's in, he's in a great relationship and he's like trimmed, trimmed the fat in a great way. Um. But Matt, life is short. If you have a passion, follow it, sir. Mm. You know, the responsible, responsible to what? Yeah. You know, it's not like responsible to other people's expectations is, I think, quite often what we're saying. That might be part of it, but it's not like there's, you know, six hundred hungry kids that he has to feed. Um, And I would say it sounds like he's in a great supportive relationship, and I I would have to guess that his wife is going to be very supportive of him going after the thing that he uh he he has some deep uh propensity towards following yeah i think there's a few things i would talk about here um one is i think quite often we presuppose that it is binary like i either i need to run into my boss's office today and say screw you i quit right and then like now i'm a writer all of a sudden but I think there's there's a lot of overlap. I wrote for most of my 20s while I was still in the corporate world. Yeah. Um, and and I got better at the craft by writing. Now, I didn't have any time. You, know, I was, you talked about carving mm-hmm. out time earlier. And so I, I was working 80 hours a week. I managed 150 retail stores. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have any time at all. So what I did, I woke up an hour earlier. I yeah. set my alarm for 4.44 a.m., every morning and I wrote for one hour and I got so much better at writing. Right. It's weird. You just got to make the time and you see how much time is available and just carve out that for this thing that you really care about. I don't know if you experience this with music, but writing seems to be one of the crafts where people think they're just going to get better via osmosis. You got to do it. You got to do it every day. Right. You don't know any carpenters who are like aspiring carpenters. They're like just that they're going to become a carpenter, right? And they actually have to build things in order to be a carpenter. But with I teach a writing class, and with the students, quite often I, I found that a lot of 
people who aspire to write don't actually write because it's it's scary and it's going to be bad at first mm-hmm. and and even worse it's going to seem good at times but unbeknownst to you it's actually going to be bad still and that's okay you have to produce the sediment in order for you in order for you to be able to pan for the gold yeah it's true and, and so uh, the other thing I think about here is also transference. Uh, there's a, this this thing I think about. So I wrote fiction throughout most of my 20s and got better at writing as a result. I write v- very little fiction now, but that skill transferred over to several things. It transferred over to writing nonfiction, blog posts, or even tweets. You know, we do a really great job with our Twitter account because it's it's always just well curated, sort of minimal maxims and 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 aphorisms and things like that. Because I've gotten better at writing, uh, writing books is a way that I transferred that skill set. Um, but also writing talks. You know, he mentioned our, our TED talk. Well, mm-hmm. I wrote the TED talk. And so right. that skill set does transfer other places. You, just because you're passionate about one thing doesn't mean that passion can't transfer to other areas as well. Yeah, I don't see the, I don't see the conflict. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that teaching is an extremely demanding uh, you know, occupation, but there's, I have to guess there's time, there's time left over where he can, he can explore, explore this writing Absolutely. passion. And, and by the way, you can become a teacher again later if you decide you want to. True. I, but, I, I did But that. write, write a, write a book and see where it goes. Yeah. Write, write four books, you know, write, write a book, throw the first one out, write it again. Oh, right. <laughs> Why and not? It, 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 Seth Godin talks about, the question isn't, uh, should you write a book? The the answer to that is is yes. You should write a book. Um, the question is, you know, will someone actually end up reading it? And, you know, we that don't. Remains know. to be seen. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, it, certainly they won't read it if you don't write it. But getting back to the you know, the joy of creating ver- versus the joy of having created, um, the thing that compels us to create is the act of creation. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not uh, to have like a bunch of books on your wall or records on your wall um so see if you actually like it you know yeah right and and you can do that right now while you're teaching i think you can head down this path and by the way if you're in debt if you still have some debt yeah it might be irresponsible for you to run away right now and and quit your job but you can have a plan together so that Mm -hmm. a year from now or two years from now you check out dave ramsey's total money makeover you you can figure out how to be 100 percent debt free have an emergency fund saved up and work on your exit plan at the same time. Mm-hmm. You're in a safe position right now. Unfortunately, you're in also in a comfortable position. And I find that people rarely create things that are meaningful when everything is at the utmost comfort. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Well, Matt, I'm going to send you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. It's my favorite thing that we've ever written still. It's sort of the story of Ryan and I walking away from the corporate world so we could be more creative. Now, the book has a soundtrack to it, and Jay Nash is actually in, <laughs> in the book. Um, the, I think it's a big break. <laughs> the fifth chapter, there's a, a song called uh, Wayfarer. Uh, because uh, I'm, I'm meeting with someone. So every chapter has basically one song. There's 12 chapters. So it has a weird sort of soundtrack to it that we never released, obviously, because I don't own the rights to any of the music. But I wanted to expose people in our audience to some music that was really profound to me. And so, Sean, maybe we can listen to a snippet of Wayfair. <laughs> One's not enough for you, two is too late 
three, you're half in the bag. Yeah, but I made your phone ring at four in the morning. You answered and you started to sing. I'm a wayfarer, I'm a vagabond girl. But how did we get so far gone? But I will wait for you to know what you want from me. We still got some time. on All right, Matt, I hope you enjoy that copy of Everything That Remains. We'll send you the audiobook, or if you want the book book or the ebook, we'll send that to you as well. Well, it's time for our lightning round. Jay, this is where we answer questions from social media. Okay. And um, we're at The Minimalists on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Jay Nash can be found on Twitter at J underscore Nash. That's right. And on Instagram at I am Jay Nash. You're good. And, uh, yeah, you can tweet at him, Instagram at him. Uh, Do it. And uh, find him there. So we've got some questions from social media. Now, we typically answer these questions with a short shareable, less than 140-character response. Okay. You don't have to worry about that, though. What, challenging. Okay. What, what, what podcast Sean does, he tweezes something out that mm-hmm. sounds pithy, and he puts it in the show notes so people okay. can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if they'd like. And now you can find all of our, our quotes in one place, minimalmaxims.com. Our first lightning nice. round question is from Amanda. What's the best time of day to be at your best creatively? It's difficult to find time outside of all the noise. Well, let me give you my pithy answer and then you tell me what you think. The best time of day to create is today. That's and, and I, <laughs> I think that... Uh, <laughs> Have uh, you considered stand-up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I think the uh, for me it's it's always mornings. That's when I feel most mm-hmm. creative. But I know some people they're like midday. I take a lunch break and it's ideal for me. And so I think it's perspectival in a way. Like what what works for you may sure. not work for me. How about you, Jay? What's it, depends best for you? On, it depends. It depends on your lifestyle too. Um, you know, there was a long stretch where it was the middle of the night before I went to bed, after I'd sort of absorbed a day's worth of experience and, you know, the entire city of Los Angeles is asleep and you have this, you know, orange hazy glow overhead. Um, You know, nowadays for me, it's where there's space, where I can find space, where I can find an empty house, where there's no noise. Um, So, you know, there obviously you need to sort of plan that time around uh, when you're going to have the energy and the space to do it. But, I think every person is different. Morning is great, mm. you know. If 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 you're if you're a, if you have good energy in the morning, um, you've had a good a good nutritious breakfast and a cup of good strong bracing coffee. You know, I, the day is your oyster. Uh, I find really early works well for me. Like I, I I get up without an alarm quite often at like four a.m., three thirty yeah. a.m. I'm not recommending that to anyone, yeah. but it's sort that's, of the, that's a crisis. That's when I when at three thirty I'm like, okay, nope, not uh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> Settle down. But it's so, sort of the same thing you were talking about. Like Los Angeles is still asleep. Like I, there's no distractions for me, and so I I used to have to have all these rules in order to create, and I, I never created as a result. Like I would yeah. have fifteen things. I need to be done. I need to fold the laundry. I need to have my cup of coffee. I need to make sure I've had That's breakfast. That's not OCD and, at all. Uh, yeah, no. right. I know. I'm is, so OCD. There's nothing obsessive or compulsive about <laughs> either of the things you just said. 
the, my one rule now is I have to wake up basically, and and that's yeah. it uh, because I haven't figured out how to write in my sleep yet. But um, but I, I think that that ultimately having as few rules as possible does for set sure. you up for success. Yeah, knowing that you can create something anytime, right? You know, and well, that and that and that is that is the truth. You know, whether it's a song or it's a social media post or it's a book, a line from a book, it, it can happen at any time. You just keep your heart and your mind open and there's a good chance that that good things will will sort of pass through yeah yeah our next question is from surin how do we discipline our thoughts from the non-stop ideas we keep getting how do we choose which one to focus on well my my um my pithy answer is an idea isn't power acting on an idea is power we get a lot of ideas but if, ideas aren't really worth that much uh it's the action itself. You might get a song idea, but if you never write the song, then well, so what? If an idea, if you're exposed to an idea that that sticks with you and resonates with you, that's a good indication that that's one that you should act on. Mm. Uh, if uh, Soren is feeling as though he's overwhelmed by all of the noise, I would have to say, you know, again, take a minute, take a beat, turn the... Turn the phone off, look at the sky, take a walk in the woods, close your eyes, take some deep breaths, you know, quiet the noise. Take take a moment just to, to medi- meditate and just think just think about taking twenty deep breaths and then see where you're at. And then chances are there'll be one or two thoughts that remain that are important. You know, it's like it's like minimizing your life with stuff. Is like, does this thing have any value? Is it bringing joy into my life? Or does it not? And if it doesn't you can let it go. And if it does, hold on to it. Chase it, you know, chase it down and see yeah. where it takes you. Mano asks, as a creative person, I really like the way this was accidentally phrased here, but as a creative person, how do you get the inspiration? Uh, now that, that, that article there, the inspiration. The, the, uh, yeah. Like, uh, and I think that's quite often the problem, don't you? Like we're searching for the inspiration. And yeah, you don't, you don't necessarily know. You don't know. There's no, you know, I've been doing, I've actually been making music for my living for 21 years, which seems absolutely absurd. Um, And I still don't fully understand it, except for the fact that, like you said, you just got to sit down and do it. Mm. Yeah, You know, you may, you may be, you may wake up one morning like, man, nothing's here. Nothing's here. But if you sit down and just start putting ideas musical or lyrical otherwise into the world and you, you, you kind of log them it may not it, it's sort of like the performance thing a lot of times I don't know if you've heard this from stand-up comedians or musicians um, on stage it's very hard to gauge what is happening with the audience yeah. you know there are nights where you think man I have never played better than I'm playing tonight and it's lost on the audience or you're having a night where it feels like in your head that you're really struggling and then afterwards people are like, that was the seminal show. That was the greatest performance. I've experienced that a bunch of times. And you, there's a total disconnect. It doesn't make any sense. The same I think is true, you know, with creating, with, with, with writing, whatever it is, you can't judge yourself as it's coming out you just have to let it come out mm. you know save the the that's editorial pithy, that's good save the editorial phase for later yeah you yeah know? I, in my, my writing class i teach uh, the four most powerful w- words a writer ever told me was sit in the chair because 
it's not about the inspiration. It's not about the word count. It's not about how many songs am I going to write this week. It's about actually just just taking the time to do it. And as you said early on, that there may not be anything productive today. It may not be. In fact, some of my most productive writing days are are negative two thousand word days, where I've deleted stuff from a previous day. I've chiseled out mm-hmm. the, the sort of the statue from the the sediment. Looks like we have a bunch more surprise questions here today. What are some specific examples for when limitations improve creativity? How do I know whether I have too many hobbies? We could talk about that. You collect guitars still? <laughs> that, that look says yes. How can someone apply minimalism to music and other creative pursuits? What creative advice would you give your younger self? And a bunch more surprise That's questions. Good ones. Also, 25 ways I, to be more we have creative. Another, we have another couple hours. Yeah, we got some time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We got some time. We got some questions. And if you want to hear all that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly minimal episode, but each week Ryan and I record an entirely different, much longer maximal episode on the minimalists private podcast, which gives us the space we need to talk about topics we don't typically discuss in public. Plus, Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement free. When you subscribe to the Minimalist Private Podcast on Patreon, you'll also receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. You can find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com slash support. Also, it's probably worth noting that we're capping our Patreon audience at 6,000 Patreon subscribers. The reason we're doing that is we want to keep it relatively private. It's a private podcast for a reason. So uh, if you want to get in on that, you certainly can, but only until we have 6,000 Patreon subscribers. All right, let's listen to some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, Josh and Ryan. Um, I just wanted to share an experience I had with your listeners um, because I often think about um, what to do in situations with gift giving and gift receiving. And um, when my birthday rolled around this year, I really wanted to have a talk with um, some of my friends about how I wanted to celebrate and um, how I don't really want physical gifts because a lot of the times I don't use um, the things that they give me. And um, when we started talking about it, they actually, um, to my surprise, agreed. And they were actually talking about how they really don't even like to just aimlessly walk around the mall and just trying to kind of find something um, that they think I might like. And um, we all agreed that it was kind of a pointless and um, aimless, um, unintentional way to shop for somebody. And um, I was really surprised at what they had to say about it and that they actually agreed not to do gifts this year. Um, so I just wanted to encourage everybody to have those discussions, even though they're hard, because you never know what they might say. And they might actually be relieved to hear that um, you don't want a gift and um, they can save money that way and just enjoy their time with you. Yeah, I just wanted to let everybody know that um, some people will actually agree with you, even if they're not minimalist. Hi, my name is Clara Dayhill. I'm from Amherst, Massachusetts. So I really enjoy your podcast. Um, I am in the military. I'm a member of the Coast Guard, and I'm really liking 
seeing the connection between middle Muslim and being in the military, you know, we have the same uniform every day, really just a basic amount of stuff and just having that freedom of everything you need, just keeping in what we call our sea bag, which is that green military-like backpack. Thank you, and I really enjoy your podcast. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Jay Nash for joining us today. Certainly one of my favorite musicians. I want to acknowledge him for creating something meaningful, something that certainly resonates with me. I want you to check out his music. Just go to jnash.com, or you can find his side project as well, wearethecontenders.com. He has a band with uh, Josh Day, and they tour, and they produce some great music, wearethecontenders.com. And real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. I am a writing teacher, and I teach an online writing class. It's called How to Write Better, and you can find out details at howtowritebetter.org. A quick synopsis, uh, we're all writers now, and I believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. So if you want to improve your writing, whether it's writing business emails or tweets or text messages, or maybe you want to start a blog or you want to write your first book, I've had everyone from high school students to medical doctors take this class and they have gotten value as long as they're willing to put in the work. That is one caveat I have. I do require one hour of work a uh, a day over the course of four weeks. It's a four-week class, and if you have the time to put forward into that, I can guarantee you that you will learn how to write better. You can check it out at howtowritebetter.org. And if you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list at theminimalists.com. You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails each week. For our added value this week, let's finish with one of my favorite Jay Nash songs. It's a song called Over You from his 2008 album, The Things You Think You Need. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Well, I wandered around and you pushed me away You knew damn well that I'd run back someday over you Over you Now I'm waiting alone in a Paris hotel I look pretty good Feeling just like hell over you Over you